0: Hey, 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 so we're going through the book of Genesis, or just a really fast track. Genesis is dense, man, there's a lot of stuff in there. But before we do two, do you know what this is? Very good, see, being out of school does nothing to you. You are still smart. Did you know who made the light bulb? Wow, okay, A-plus for whatever class that teaches you that. Okay, way to go. So this is interesting. In 1850, if you saw this, you would be like, what? is that is that a weird rat trap like what I don't understand what this thing is right like this doesn't make sense in 1850 this didn't exist which is crazy because that's like less than 200 years ago right yes less than 200 years ago this thing didn't exist but there was this dude named Thomas Edison who said I want to capture lightning in a bottle okay if someone told you that you'd be like you're insane okay like you belong in a special place for special people to help you process through your crazy ideas of catching lightning bolts in bottles, like that doesn't make any sense. Well, this dude didn't give up. Thomas Edison kept trying for several years, and when he first got the first light bulb to work, you know how long it worked? Two seconds. Imagine how cool that moment was He was like, yeah! Like that's how quick it went over. It's just, wow, and it's dead. And then he got it up to like one hour, and that's pretty cool, but I bet the dude was just like staring at it. You know what I mean? Like that thing will give you spots. You stare at these things too long. I've tried it, don't do it, okay? But then finally, when he officially released it, to the world, it held a light for 13 hours. Now, I got light bulbs in my house that I haven't changed in, like, two years. Like, these things keep getting better and better and better. But the entire time that Thomas Edison was making this thing, nobody believed in him. Like, you have to imagine, this guy was thinking about some crazy things, but he believed in himself, and he had this little voice inside him saying, I know I can do it. Well, today, we're talking about the guy named Abraham. Abraham. And this dude had to go through very similar things. He was in the Bible, and from the beginning, God's asking him to move from places he's never been before into places he's never gone before, right? And he's being tossed and turned and moved constantly. But you know, every time God asks him to do something, he says yes, without doubt, without reason, without anything. He's just obedient to what God has for him. He moves and he does exactly what God has for him. But then at the right age of 75, you know this story, God says, hey, Abraham, I want to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to choose you to be the person that brings about my chosen Messiah hundreds of years from now. I didn't quite say it exactly like that, but he said, from you, I'm going to build my people. And from my people will come the savior of the world, right? And you have to imagine, 75 years old, some of your grandparents aren't even that old yet, right? Like, that's an old dude. Can you imagine at 75 saying, hey, you're going to have a baby? I'd be like, no thanks, right? But Abraham and his wife Sarah, at this time his name is Abram, they didn't have any kids. They wanted children, but they didn't have them. But God says, hey, Abram, I'm going to give you children. You just have to wait for me. Will you just wait for me? I promise you, I'm going to give you children. He actually says this choice phrase you probably heard before, and I want to read tonight. Because it's important. He says this. He takes Abraham outside, and he says this. He says, look to, uh, look, he took him outside, and he said to him, look up at the sky, Abram. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You notice that? All Abram had to do is just believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And God said, you're righteous, man. Believe in me and what I promise you, and I'm crediting you with my righteousness. Now, you have to imagine, Abram is a normal dude like me and you. So when he's told he's going to have a baby, he's like, that's great. But I'm like, yeah, I believe you. But like, there's a little piece of me that says, like. Like, that's weird, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to be an old dude. My wife, like, bless her heart because yeah, that's going to be rough for her, right? She's going to be an old lady trying to give birth to a baby without the epidural back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just old-fashioned. It's going to be rough, okay? But he continues to believe him no matter what he says. Well, you know how the story goes, right? Abraham starts to get impatient. You start to notice that when Abraham started to hear from God, he did exactly what God said. But maybe, like, you are like me. And as you go into your relationship with God, you start to believe him in the things he says. Because when you first believe in Jesus, everything's new, and it's exciting. But then the further you get in your faith, you start to feel doubts. You start to feel worries. A little early for that, but it's okay. We'll get there. But if you can imagine what it was like for Abram to go outside every night before he started, and he's like looking at the stars. Now, I can't make it a starry night. in Here, I try my best, Okay. But every night when he's walking around, you live in Fairview so you probably have semi-cool starry night. But God has a way of reminding us over and over again that He's still with us in the midst of the mess of life. Back in the Old Testament, they did different things to symbolize that. They would, when they messed up really bad, they'd cover themselves in uncomfortable clothes called sackcloth, and then they'd throw ash on their heads to remind them of the lowly state they were before God when they messed up. They'd also build these little rock formations called Ebenezer's, not Scrooge, a different kind of Ebenezer. Okay. And they would be these little monuments, and every time they'd see that monument in their life, they'd know, hey, God did something big in this moment. Every time God would do something big, they'd make it image because they needed to be reminded of the fact that God was still faithful, and so did Abraham. So every night, as he's sitting outside by the fire cooking his dinner, he's looking up at the stars around the sky, and he has no children. And while he has no children, he's believing in the promise that God said, one day I'll give you so many descendants, you won't even be able to count them. But then what happens is that Abraham gets anxious. He gets worried, maybe you have too. And then he starts to think, you know what, I don't know if I can fully trust God in this moment because something else inside of me feels more powerful. I'm gonna go my way, and Abraham did the same thing. Instead of waiting for God to provide his son through his wife, Sarah, Sarah's like, hey, why don't you use my helper, Hagar, and you can have a baby with her instead. Well, that's weird, right? I mean, that's a weird part of the story. Well, it happened, and they had a son. And that son was born, he grew up, and it created bitterness between Hagar and Sarah because Abraham went a different way than what God wanted. There would be consequences to that action. But believe it or not, 25 years later, when Abraham was almost 100 years old, finally, guess what he had? A son named uh, Isaac. Isaac means laughter because when Abraham and Sarah were told that they were going to have a son at that late of an age, they laughed at God. And God made kind of a joke back to them by naming their son Laughter. So this is where the story gets crazy. It's a story that you know so well, but it's a powerful part of the story. When God has finally given Abraham the son that he's waited for for 25 years, the promise that he's been clinging to twice of your lifetime, he's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then God says something unexpected. He says, Abram, I want you to take your son Isaac and I want you to take him up to the top of the mountain. And then I want you to sacrifice him for me. It's like, what? You want me to kill my boy? Like, that's what he's saying. Like, I want you to take your son and kill him on top of the mountain because he is the greatest love in your life. And I want to make sure that you love me more than you love him. You know what Abraham does? He says, Okay. Because he believed in the stars, the promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And God in no way, shape, or form was going to totally remove his one and only son. So they go up to the mountain. Let's read the story. This is where we'll wrap it up. Genesis 22, verse 9, it says this. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac. So, like, I don't know what the conversation was like going up the hill, right? Like a... Where's the sacrifice, Dad? God will provide the sacrifice, all right. But then, like, Isaac's probably like, yeah, I I believe it, I believe it. And then he's like, Dad starts to tie his hands with ropes. Like, if your parents start to do that, you should freak out. That's not normal, okay? That's not a natural thing. So Isaac's standing there, getting tied up, right? He's binding him, and then he lifts him up, and he lays him on the altar of wood. And then he reached out his hand, and he took a knife to slay his son. And right when he's about to go down, An angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am, always saying, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld to me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide And to this day, it is on the mountain of the Lord, it will provide it. That's what they call it. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Look, there's some cool stories in Genesis. This is one of the coolest, right? Because it's giving us a foreshadow of the fact that God would one day send his son to be sacrificed for us so we can have a relationship with him. But the underlying story of this too is that the way that we love God is by being obedient to him. And he doesn't ask us to be obedient blindly. He gives us reminders of why we can be obedient because he's faithful to his promises. It's been thousands of years since Abraham came and God, right? Well, Isaac had sons, and he had sons, and those sons became a nation, and the descendants have scattered the face of the earth so that truly when you see the stars, it's a fulfilled promise that God fulfilled what he said he would do for Abraham. And you have things going on in your life. You have promises that you believe that God's put on your heart. And maybe you're in a place where you're starting to wonder, like, God, is this ever going to come through? I believed in you because you said you'd give me life and hope. And yet I'm struggling with depression and anxiety and worry and fear. And sometimes at night, I don't know how to deal with them because it's crippling. And he continues to have a still, small promise that he is there in the midst of it. Every time you go outside, I got a $200 hot tub from Costco. I don't know if you saw those things. Pretty cheesy looking. I'm not going to lie. But I put it in my backyard, and for like the first time ever, I sit out there and I look at the stars. There's millions of them up there, right? Some of them have been burning for like thousands of years. Some of them have already burnt up, but they're so far away, like millions of light years away, that the light hasn't reached us yet to know that it's gone. Like new stars have formed, other stars have left, and we're seeing like an old picture of what it looked like. You know, it's just crazy, the massivity of the stars. But God gives them to us as a promise. He fulfilled his promise to Abraham. When you see the sands and the seashore how numerous they are, like he fulfilled the promises to Abraham and he'll continue to fulfill them for you. So when you feel low and broke down, would you remember that our God is a God who fulfills his promises? He doesn't leave you hanging in the way of the unknown, but he stands in the midst of life with you saying, I'm with you and I'm for you. Does that make sense? Let's talk about that in small. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for your word. Thank you for the stories that are familiar to us that we know about Abraham and Isaac. But God, what we want to remember is the faithfulness that Abraham had, that he believed without a shadow of a doubt that you were gonna fulfill the promises that you gave to him. And even if you took his son, that you would find a way to bring him back, that you were never going to leave him high and dry in life, and you promised to never do the same for us. So God, would we hold fast? Would we not break our obedience to you, but would we cling to the promise, be faithful to the life you've called us to, and live a brother approach in all the areas of our life. We love you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.